Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. Uh, yeah, you wanted the best, and we found you something even better. This is called Morning Combat Friday, January 21st, 2022. One more sleep, as the great John Anik would say, ahead of Nganu gone in this must-see freaking I-can't-wait heavyweight shootout Saturday night. Today, we will set that stage. My name is Brian Campbell, the BBC with that BDE, the big beige one coming at you, an award-winning show you got here. But you know, you know, you don't come here for my, for my bad jokes, per se. You come here for the meat that is known as the best analyst in the game today. From India with love, it's Luke Thomas. <laughs> not from India, maybe not even with love, but I'm here, BC. I'm here. I'm ready to get going. We got some fights. The pay-per-views is back. We have some Showtime boxing as well. It should be a good weekend. Absolutely, Luke. And uh, I know you can see this error, this issues with my eye. I have not been filming a solo episode of High Court, Luke. I've, I got too much shampoo in the eye. In the shower. You ever have that happen? It burns like a mofo. Yes, but I I've never complained about it in the way you have, which only makes me wonder. There are two possibilities here. One, you're an unbelievable bitch. Or two, <laughs> why are you shampooing with fucking carbonic acid? What are you doing? Uh, I'm getting I'm getting manned up, Luke. Manscaped up, all right? All right, uh, Luke, <clears throat> MK uh, still going to be here despite this eye injury all day. Nearly every day. You nailed it. We got a great show coming your way. Uh, we also sell great merch. Morningcombat.store would be the home of that if you could check out that nice website right there. The new ber- the new merch is not a... Well, there- here's the deal. I'm lying and I'm telling the truth. There is some new merch on there. Yes, check it out now. But there will also be a new, new batch of merch next Monday. I told you next Wednesday the other day. I got it wrong. RJ Dunkelmaker says next Monday, a couple days from now. Uh, we got an even newer shit coming out. So if you like the way it feels on you, which I did guarantee you would, uh, keep buying it at that website right there, morningcombat.store. Uh, the label that pays us is Showtime. We got Championship Boxing Saturday night. We got that new Dexter series. Billions is back. I mean, you got BC calling Showbox. We got Bellator around the corner. Now would be a great time to get your 30 days free at Showtime.com. Take the plunge. Watch Gary Russell on Saturday. We'll tell you the reason why in a couple minutes. 
But uh, you can get your 30 days. You can pound sand at the end of it, win or lose. I don't care. I don't care what you do on the 31st day, all right, or the first the first of the month, right? I don't, you, don't, you think I care about you? It's the first of the month. Wake I don't. Up, wake up. I don't. Wake up. Cash out checks and get No. Um, and thank you to our people, by the way, who, of course, we care about. Uh, like the video. Subscribe. 104,000 people on YouTube. Couldn't be wrong, Luke. Although, can we get that number up? I feel like we just... Didn't we just win... 100,000 like a year ago? I know. Dude, as, soon as, as soon as you get successful, people are like, oh, I guess I don't have to contribute anymore. No, we need your contributions. Come on, y'all. Let's get those subs up. Let's keep yeah. them moving. We got we got units to move here. You guys have proven, obviously, a be, a, again and again, beyond and beyond, how much you do love us from Damien the Donk getting the tattoo on his arm to all of y'all voting us in for best MMA programming in 2021. And just a reminder that we were also up for another award that is best combat sports podcast of the last year from the folks at sportspodcastawards.com. We are in the lead the last time I checked, but we're up there against uh, Boxing Stories with Tris Dixon, the MMA Hour with Ariel Hawani, uh, Chris Jericho's fantastic podcast, uh, a couple other uh, you know very popular European boxing ones. So hey, it's up to you guys. You know you want us you want us to win and and film another documentary and maybe show up at some red carpet. Yeah, we'll do that shit. Didn't I mean, look, you got to won this. We would get a live show. Yeah, but that's what CBS said. We get a live show for International Fight Week, like a full live, like a real, you know, the real deal, Luke. Not that the yeah. one we did wasn't the real deal, but the one that we did was very MK like, let's just see who shows up, right? It wasn't like a plan. You know what I mean? It was right? Yes. Yes, that's right. It's like the difference between like a party in my hometown and the part a party in yours in Old Marietta somewhere with all them you know really hoity-toity pieces of shits that you you know sprouted around and really build this darkness and resolve inside you. Thank you, Marietta. Thank you guys. You know appreciate it. Thanks. You know I was only in Marietta two years, bro. You yeah, it was the two worst experience. of your life apparently, Luke. Okay, <clears throat> you when these when they bullied you into athleticism over there, but. uh you claim you that you should have seen some of the other places in Georgia I lived. Marietta wasn't the worst of them. Let me tell you. Uh, you you claim that you both dunked and got laid in high school. Two facts that uh, are <laughs> look look look. You're I, I like, you're a I man's like man. Because, I like how because you went through the first eighteen years of your life as a a fuckless loser that everybody else you know also has to be a fuckless loser. Uh, doesn't work that way. I'm not saying I was captain of the fucking you know wrestling team and uh, homecoming queen. No, no, no. I was not popular either, but I did have a few things going for me. Look, Luke, you're a Marine ex Marine. No, there's no such thing as an ex Marine sergeant. You are, uh, you know, <laughs> trained on the mats. People consider you to some degree a badass, but to, to try to they paint the picture that. that that badassery was that thick back then, get the hell out of here, Luke. Anyway, uh, damn, do we have a great show and Luke, we love this mutual admiration society that happens between this great show and the hosts of it and famous people everywhere, Luke. We got another great shout-out yesterday from uh, former WWE champion Big E of mm. the New Day. Love myself some Big E, who was uh, speaking with uh, Sebastian Hackle of uh, of WWE German fame and, and a couple other places, the zone, a couple others. But uh, here's the clip. I'm also a, a big Morning Combat fan. I actually was just before I hopped on. I was just listening to Luke and Brian's show. Uh, but yeah, I love MMA, love combat sports. Dude, it's the best show in all of combat sports, I'm sure. Um, big role models for me, big inspirations for me. Um, speaking of martial... I'm also a, a big morning combat fan. I actually was just before I hopped on, 
I was just listening to uh, Luke and Brad. Real talk, Luke. Right? That's pretty cool. So he's the, he's I don't understand belt hierarchy in WWE. Does he have the most prestigious belt? So WWE currently is in a system in which they have two leagues. So there's there's two equally prestigious belts, you know, two different shows, Raw and SmackDown. And okay. he was just the WWE champion, uh, which was big. But then he 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 had a reign in which they didn't write him strong, meaning WWE kind of made him look like a bitch during that reign, and he had to lose a lot. And then he loses in some multi-man match to Brock Lesnar, of all people, after his opponent, Roman Reigns, in real life had COVID. So it sort of wasn't a, a, the dream reign that we were all hoping it was going to be, you know, because it okay. was a big moment for him. But Big E's a badass nonetheless, Luke. And, I, you know, I go back to the Langston days, you know, with this guy. I know you, had, you, don't, you don't care about his profession, but... Is it true that for the belt he had, is he the first African-American guy to have it? Not the first, but one of very few. His his tag okay. team partner Kofi Kingston had had won one of the big belts a couple of years ago, and it was a major big deal, rightfully so. This had you know a lot of that too because we've loved this guy for so long, and 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 we thought he was a main event, knew he was a main eventer, knew it. Well, and, he did and, a great he did a great job getting Sean Porter out to the ring yeah. for his last fight. He's been nothing but kind to to you and to me. So I, I, I don't have you know what. I guess he's my favorite professional wrestler, right? Because I do like The Rock, but he didn't really do it anymore. Yeah, so yeah. I guess uh, Big E would be the guy I go to here, right? Okay, okay. He, he knows his way around the weight room, Luke. He has he has massive. Uh, yeah, he does. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> that would right. be fucking sweet to go lift with Big E. Yeah, now, if, that... if Big E is watching this and he ever is in the same town as me, and he would be humble enough to lift with a with a peasant like me. Uh, that'd be cool. I'd love to do it. I'd love to live with right. him. I so think, awesome. I think it's don't quote me. Cause I'm, I think he lives in Florida. Maybe, maybe the next, uh, you know, Jake Paul showdown. We, uh, we, we joined forces or something there. All right. Yeah. We can uh, go get Omicron to each other. That'd be great. Thank you very much. Uh, I think, I don't, I think that's it for me selling shit, Luke, right? We're ready to go. Yeah. Morning combat at gmail.com to, to roast us and send us fan subs and, uh, all that good stuff. Morning. Combat. All right. I'm Thank told, you. I'm told the list today of dead wrongs is extraordinary. So <laughs> we're about to get hammered out by we're our about own to people. get fucking annihilated by our audience. So there you go. Uh, finally, thank you to everyone for the kind messages and for checking out a lot of our bonus content of late. We did that, that full studio day with the great Chuck Mindenhall. So you've got resume review, Francis Ngannou. You've got pregame preview, UFC 270, which like, a, you know, a little bit of real talk in there like men do. And now you've got uh, that absurdly ridiculous high court debut episode in which we debated the Hall of Fame-manship of one Michael Bisping. Luke, um, <laughs> God, it was even goofier than I remembered. Uh, I, 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 I was in cringe mode waiting for us to maybe like, you know, like, okay, guys, you, we, you know, you were good for a while. That was a little bit too much, but people seem to like that reckless piece of humor. Yeah, of all the things we turned in this week, that got the biggest reaction, and it's only been up for a day. Actually, not even a full day, uh, totally. So there's a few things we have to iron out, I think, about yeah. High Court. It was a little yeah. off the rails, but, dude, people seem, for the most part, to not just like it, but to, like, love it. So we'll, Yeah, we'll while we're definitely standing in a circle here and, and massaging ourselves, um, I do think that that's going to look like night and day. If we could get that that segment humming and iron out all those wrinkles, it, it has big time potential uh could you imagine celebrity guest hosts or, or celebrity guest witnesses if we really want to get... look there's a there's a big ceiling for yeah this. i saw uh, that someone was like you should be able to call witnesses and i was like that's a great point oh we're gonna yeah. steal that let's go shop we should have ideas. like a, yeah a game show where the loser gets sued i mean we should really be all right we should uh, hammer other shows for using a wheel that we a no longer use and b did not in any way invent as a new game fair point <laughs> just the same all right you're not here for our ridiculousness you are here 
to get fired up Saturday night, Anaheim, California, UFC 270. One of the biggest heavyweight fights of all time. I think it kind of is for the full championship when Francis Ngannou makes his first title defense fresh off that dismantling of Stipe Miocic last summer or last spring to win, finally climb the ladder and win the title against unbeaten interim champion Cyril Gan. I, I almost sounded classy in saying that. Uh, Luke, let me ask, let me start off like this. We hit the storylines, but there's so many of them that like, that's why a fight is this big and it's why a great fight like this we care about so much. This is the biggest and most important UFC heavyweight fight since? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, well, uh, important. Okay. I mean, is it I DC think, Stipe, Luke? Is yeah, it? I, I was going to say DC Stipe 3, and the reason why I was going to say that is because Stipe was this guy who was sort of for a time and then now again kind of, but in various points in his career, has really raised the idea that he's the GOAT at heavyweight for UFC heavyweights, maybe even all-time MMA, but certainly for UFC. And then he lost to Cormier, but then he got it back, and then they had the trilogy fight. And so that fight was pretty important for UFC history, I really have to say. So, you know, I know what you're getting at, and I, I don't want to ignore DC Stipe 3. I think it answers the question. But in the spirit of what you're talking about where – there was this sort of cataclysmic, um, uh, you know, there was this collision between these big forces and there was these big ideas behind it. I, I would say maybe Overeem Brock a little bit. It's got a little bit of that oh, wow. uh, right. on top All of right. it as well. I mean, Gone I mean, it's the same, is... same conversation as JDS Kane 3, right? I mean, th these are the, the epic modern heavyweight title bouts. And uh, even though, like you said, Lesnar Overeem wasn't for a title, it had those stakes. It had that feeling. It had that feel. And again, I, you know, th that's going to be a crude comparison. It's going to fall short in a lot of ways, too. It's very different. But it does feel a little bit like that, where you've got these big forces at heavyweight. You don't know exactly how it's going to go. they got to figure this out so we can sort the division. They look like, you know, Godzilla and Mothra. So it's, it, it, it carries that spectacle as well. But, you know, even if they didn't, it would still be important. It's, you know, it's champion interim champ, one, two, however you want to describe it. It's a big fight, BC. I think you're right to really point out and, and to the word you used previously, although I'll be incorrectly, underscore, um, you know, this is a historic fight in certain kind of ways. Well, I want to hit this hard on many angles, most of them who's going to win and how and why and all that stuff. But, Luke, since we did Wednesday's Morning Combat show, which had some storylines element that we were looking ahead uh, that one storyline of the sparring match between them, which some of the video has leaked, but specifically now Ngannou saying, no, no, I knocked you out. I dropped you and knocked you out. Uh, Team Gone protesting publicly, and we saw this play out, of course, yesterday, Thursday's final press conference as well. Um, it, it seems more like just stuff to talk about to me, but do you put any stock or have any comment on that entire situation? It's hard to say. I... I, I can't get up on here and tell you this is extremely meaningful or it means nothing because I don't know. We're not there. And there are ways where guys can pair up where, yeah, like that that kick that landed, let's say knocked him down, rattled him, whatever, where that could actually tell you a lot about the way in which they interact. But there's just as many. And frankly, I would argue probably more scenarios. I just can't explain this enough to people. Like the, Sparring does not mean, okay, every time you match up with a guy – you go your best. Dude, sparring means a lot of different things. Your coach can tell you, okay, we're just doing takedowns or we're just doing one person do takedowns, one person defend, and you do that for two minutes or one person blah, 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 X, Y. 
somebody shows up and they didn't have a good meal that day. Somebody shows up and they didn't have a great night of sleep that day. And all these factors kind of affect things where, yeah, some days you go in there and you get your ass kicked. And some days you go in there and you're dealing on fools. And that's just how it goes. So it becomes very, very difficult to know exactly how they pair up. I guess we'll have to see and then revert back and see, like, did it match any kind of the pre-fight talk? Right. No, that's fair. Uh, look, you see the stare down right there. I did want to hit that up part of the one, well, maybe one of the few good things we got from this absurd press conference. More on that in a second was the stare down reminded you of this, Luke. Yes. At the end of the day, uh, the matchup, what appeals most is, is, you know, the, 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 the giant power of Nganu against the slickness of Gan. That's just on paper. What jumps out. Um, it reminds you looking at the stare down that Gan's really the same height. He's, Built pretty damn sick himself in terms of being cut and being, you know, strong as shit. And his reach is only two inches shorter than the mm-hmm. insanely long 83-inch Nganu. So um that that was a little like, hey guys, don't forget, you know, he, you know, Gon's a pretty big ass boy himself. Like that that got me even more fired up for this one. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I, I still think Francis looks to me to be the bigger of the two, not by a lot, but a little bit bigger, a little bit longer. By the way. 81-inch reach, to your point, for Gon. 83 for Francis. John Jones, 84. 84 that's is where he sick. stands. That's, that's, inc- I, that's incredible, At a division right? smaller, that's You know, Floyd Mayweather, <laughs> by the way, he doesn't have a absurdly long reach, but he has a very long reach for his height and being a welterweight. And that, like like for John, is was like one of those sneaky built-in advantages, Luke, that obviously uh, both Gon and Nganu have been using in certain ways. Um but that's wild to think like that, man. That, that's yeah, I mean, I think the I think the only other heavyweight who had an 84-inch reach, and if I'm wrong, someone will dead wrong me, it's okay. Fairly certain that Semi-Shilt Hightower has been measured at 84. And the reason why that's relevant is Semi-Shilt is uh, seven feet tall. So yeah. just keep that in mind. Luke, um, I finally looked up yeah. what Bongamin means. It's um, Good what? It means good... Oh, I thought it was young boy, which is like boy, in French that know. the translation in French is Sandusky. Um I that's it's not the coolest nickname ever, Luke. Wait. Bon gamin is French. Yeah. I don't understand. Uh, it was a it was a crude coach Sandusky joke, Luke. Penn State. <laughs> I mean, you know, sorry, Luke. Okay, you know, I mean, in the side of my head, there were bells, whistles going off sorry, and celebrate. Sorry, it looked my like- head wasn't in the uh, the uh, adolescent rape uh, yeah. frame of mind. I wasn't like I you wasn't know the ending. You were the ending scene of episode one, Attack of the Clones, like that Gungan party. Luke, they're they're going after it there. You know what I mean? Like they're 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 coming on. So for, for sure, wow, the re- the counters back. Uh, seriously though, Luke, obviously a million reasons to like this fight. The press conference. It was weird between seriously between Davis and Figueredo just kind of talking shit over so on top terrible. of everybody. Dude, him, him and Bohashinya, like, dude, you got to be very forgiving of people who are obviously trying to communicate in a second Correct. language. But Correct. I also think if you're advising fighters, and again, like, dude, my mom had an accent, my wife has an accent. Like, all, I get it. Like, I, it's it, you. All, anytime someone is trying something in another language, you must be very forgiving and accommodating. But. Mackenzie Dern, yeah, we get it, Luke, yeah. But this is the fight game, so if you want to insult, there just is a certain level of proficiency that has to go along with it. Otherwise, it just backfires. And you could see Moreno yesterday being like, this is so fucking boring, you know? Yeah, it was. I mean, it wasn't the best four-fighter pairing to get what we normally get out of it. But I did want to ask you quick, Luke, I don't know if you ended up watching it or not, but we don't expect a lot of the MMA media and it's just beating a dead horse to be like, man, they don't really, you know, come out at these press conferences and go after it. And I've been 
both good and bad part of that group at, at different times, of course. Uh, but this felt like the, the most shameless ever. Like, it looked, felt like there were planted questions to ask the UFC about, like, NFT deals and shit like that. Like, this was, at, you know, I mean, there's already, like, you know, enough questions about theme songs and hairstyles, but... Like this, this was bad, Luke. Am I, I mean, am I, am I just being the old guy on the porch at this point? I mean, I mean, how many times can we do this where there's a press conference and we're like, Jesus, the MMA media is embarrassing and these events are embarrassing. They're fucking embarrassing. This is the state of things. This is the world that uh, the UFC's media policies hath wrought. I don't know if they are embarrassed or if they like it the way that it is, but it is the way that it is because of them for basically two more than this, but two major reasons. One, they invite fans. And I always say this. Fans are like, why, why is it wrong to invite them to a press conference? Dude, listen to the words. It's not a conference. It's a press conference. A press conference is called when you need to get the word out about something and or about with a bunch of different people. You need to do it all at once for a very important reason. If you invite fans, that's fine. But if the fans are going to be there, they should be the ones asking the questions. Inviting the fans turns it into Jerry Springer. And then you make the media complicit in that yeah. kind of relationship, which is not what they're there to do. But because that's what's happened, B.C., you get what you get, which is, hey, are you guys going to fart in your hand and make an NFT? And, well, like, you know, that kind of stuff. We've already seen, like, people smart to use the angle, use use the leverage as an angle, like the Chad Johnson betting website. They're always coming out, and they're basically doing a commercial for themselves, but also asking a stupid question. Um, this is even more shameless. It's like, let's ask the – I mean, even, even Dana no sold it. Even Dana White, who could have completely just sopped that moment up for, you know, extra shameless points – was like, uh, no, let's not talk about that now, please. Like, we, we're trying to, you know, come on. Uh, that's and how also, bad. I'll just that say was. this too: like, their policies have pushed out the kind of media that I think the fans would 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 prefer to see at those kinds of things yeah. by virtue of their practices. And I don't want to say like people like Oscar Willis, Mike Bond, um, all, all those guys who do all the John Morgan and all the folks from MMA fighting who go over there. Like, they do. It's hard work. And they're on the front lines of talking to these fighters all the time. It's difficult. But that assignment used to be what everyone wanted. And now you see that a lot of people don't, are not necessarily, like people like me, and I would say Ariel and other people too, we're not necessarily great fits for that kind of a thing. No, and, no. Uh, and, but, don't I don't, but I don't take away from anyone like the Schmo who has used those platforms to really sure. if to it get works over for it. Them, mm -hmm. If it works for them, it's fine. But I'm just pointing out it's become such a shit show that people like me are like, no, well, no, I just you. think at the end of the day, whether we're making, you know, wasting time on here or not, um, the fact that not one question, not one single question during that press conference about Francis's contract and whether a win or a loss, you know, means he's coming or going like, are you kidding me? That's that's God. Like, that's one of the biggest story. You know, like, Luke, that storyline is almost more important than the actual fight, which is like. Habib versus Connor territory in terms of like you know like how do you not bring that up? I because you're ask you're because if you're there to ask about it, dude these people don't care they don't care that France dude this is the thing it's like I it's sometimes fans will write me and they'll be like hey what should I do if I really care about fighter pay and I'm like well of course support the fighters that you like or whatever but the answer is that I mean they're not really involved in this process I mean yeah the pushback on Dana. At, you know, and, and you see people making memes and, and their social media chatter about it, but never really amounts to anything because the fans ultimately are not going to change their preferences. Their preferences as consumers are much more in alignment with the promoter than the fighter. So, you know, you're, you're going to get these kinds of clashes that you're describing by virtue of the fact that they're not what, what each group wants are not in alignment. Yeah. And by the way, you know, there's tape of it. I've been in these things and I've asked purposely stupid, fun questions, too, to, to just get 
some energy going out there. But there's a difference between avoiding big news and, and doing actual commercials while you're asking a question and, yeah. and that right there. All right, Luke, uh, enough of that. Uh, clarification on the business reality of this, though. Did you watch the uh, Francis Ngannou interview with Brett Okamoto that a lot of our listeners after Wednesday show were like, hey, go check that out. Francis told Brett that the way he believes his UFC contract works right now is this actually could be his last fight, win or lose, and it expires for good uh, at December of this calendar year. So less than a year from now because of that five-year rule in the contract. That's where, right. Where the they do last – they, they have a sunset clause at five. That's right. Does that change anything in your eyes from the standpoint of whether, of the outcome deciding Francis's future? Yes, because it would be absolutely major, major news for a UFC champion to simply decide to walk away because while they would not be taking their belt with them, folks don't understand this, it is illegal in boxing for a promoter to own a belt. That's why the sanctioning bodies have to exist. There's a federal rule that prohibits them um, from doing that kind of a thing. They can't oh, they, to do it. They pay enough behind the scenes, Luke, to get what they want in the end. Don't worry Fair about it. Fair enough, but it becomes a big difference when the promoter has direct and absolute unequivocal control over that title. It's, it's a different ballgame um, uh, so, sort of because of it. So if Francis was able to walk away, he obviously could not take his UFC championship with him, but he could easily take his status as the far and away best heavyweight out there with him. And that would be a bit of a big deal because he's on the front cover of ESPN the magazine on ESPN.com right now. He's at the very top of it. We just saw him on The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, which again, it's not about a political thing. It's just about uh, how, how, what kind of audiences is he reaching exposure. beyond sports. Yeah. Exactly, exposure correctly. It's a Q rating thing. He's beginning to really begin to build it. You have argued that with a win like this, God only knows what's possible. A dude like that walking, it's hard to know exactly where. Again, we, we go back to the same problem, BC, which is, okay, right, but where is he going to go to do bigger business? Nevertheless, the possibility and the reality of him eventually, potential one anyway, of him doing that, that would be historically significant in a way that you know the BJ Penn walking away as champion even Well, I was going to ask you, what, what what is the historical comparison? I was going to bring up Randy Couture, who, you know, as as acting UFC heavyweight champion, got into a lot of the, these situations and. And that's a big part of his legacy, by the way, his, his willingness to do that. Uh, wh when else has something close to this happened? Part of it would be just bad PR, where it's like, wow, you let a guy like that walk because you were too cheap. I mean, the, the headlines and the kind of environment that fosters uh, from a narrative standpoint would be would be trouble for the UFC. But the bigger thing I think it kind of stands out to me maybe that is that what these guys who want the Ali Act, they want a lot of different things. But one of the things that they want is what boxing borrows, which is that, again, the promoter cannot control the title. And there's also an independent ranking, right? So that no matter what promoter or whoever you're fighting in or country, you know, if you're doing the work that you're supposed to be doing, ostensibly it should be reflected in the rankings because the promoter cannot control it. So if Francis walks, again, he can't really take his UFC ranking. He cannot take his UFC belt. But he can take putatively his unofficial title as the number one heavyweight, the very best guy. So in a sense, he kind of mimics a little bit what would be official in a different world and how that would enable him to maximize his opportunities elsewhere, right? He gets the almost the full benefit of that world, not exactly, but some of the trimmings of it. It, it says a lot about what could be done, assuming he can structure a deal outside yeah. of the UFC that is lucrative. And if you missed it, Francis went on to tell Brett that he's not fighting again under this current deal. Like he'll sit out that the rest of that year. No, no doubt he's no longer. Which I think quote, is a mistake. I think he's no longer willing to fight for five hundred or six hundred thousand. Which I mean, God, if he, I mean, if he beats Gone and he's the 
the heavyweight champion in the face. I mean, Dude, no just ask yourself ever. a question. Should Francis Ngannou, I know these are very different sports, very different situations, but it is the same network, albeit sometimes pay-per-view, sometimes it's uh, TV, even if you're the guy I'm about to mention. But just, just someone from UFC, explain to me why Bud Crawford should be making many multiples. Not, not just more, many multiples, orders yeah. of magnitude more than Francis Ngannou. What is the argument for that? Because Bob Arum is getting sued <laughs> to the point. I mean, I'm not here to weigh in on the merits of NBC, but I'm just pointing out, like those guys had an acrimonious relationship that was dysfunctional and fucked up, and now you see the results of that. And he still made multiple orders of magnitude more than Francis. Who on earth could justify that with a straight face? I would love to know what the answer is. Yeah. Uh, by the way, shout out to Francis for doing it. I shout out to him for, for knowing his value, standing firm, and, and basically saying whatever happens, happens. That's why, Luke, to do this long loop to bring us back to the fight, I don't think this, the who dropped who, uh, none of that stuff is going to matter. I don't even think they hate each other, to be fair. Even with the the ending of Francis's relationship with, with Ferdinand Lopez and, and it's still, you know, there's still some raw bitterness there, but I don't think, I think that's all put it to the side, Luke. Okay. It's going to be time to talk about the fight. So the final word on that will come from Cito Gan himself, who sat down with uh Shaq Majori, you know him, Luke from CBS sports. And uh, you see from him Paris once in France a while himself. on MK once, sometimes you see him on MK on Wednesday. You were like, fuck that guy. You know, you're like, dude, not a chance uh, that that guy makes it to the airwaves. But uh, here's Shaq and Cyril Gaon talking ahead of this one. Uh, when you yeah, look there's... at the UFC heavyweight division, do you see anyone as a clear next contender? Because it's kind of a... Me I don't want to say it's a mess, but it's kind of confusing, right? Is Stipe going to fight? Is John Jones going to fight? Who do you see in the heavyweight division realistically that you could fight next? I don't know exactly, but, but uh, everybody know John Jones wants to jump in this division. This is a good fight for, for the money. Everybody know that. <laughs> like, I'm authentic. <laughs> I talk like I, I think. So, yeah, that's probably if tomorrow I win against Francis, why not John Jones? And, and I know the people want also to see this fight because uh, this will be a good matchup. He is well-rounded. I'm well-rounded too. So, this, this is... Probably would be a, a really technical fight. Luke, that was the wrong clip. I should have uh, teed that up properly, but uh, that's the one talking about John Jones. We'll certainly get into that. Uh, you think he was going to talk about the the ending of the relationship with with Francis? And so let's put that behind us. I think they're putting it behind us. It's fight time. It's how this breaks down. The folks at DraftKings right now still have Cyril Gan, the interim champion, as your Betting favorite, minus 150. Francis Ngannou, plus 130. As we get into this, Luke, and figure it out and unwrap it, uh, both can win dominantly. We've established that. We know that. What are you going to be looking for in round one? I like to ask you it to you like that. That, yeah. that, could, that could tell you the most in terms of which direction this is headed. So I would say that one of the biggest X factors I'm going to be paying attention to is uh, average, well, I would say in this case, fight time. But their average fight time stood out to me when I looked at the numbers. Francis's average fight time, as you can well imagine, is just 5 minutes and 38 seconds. And if you take out the Stipe fight, it's significantly less than that. 
For Cyril Gaon, by contrast, his average fight time is 15 minutes. Now, it's not the actual time that it runs, because if Cyril Gaon is not pushing any kind of pace, then Francis will just stand there and have plenty of energy by rounds four or five, obviously. But you asked what I'm looking for at the beginning. This is what I'm looking for, and it relates to the fight time. A guy like Cyril Gaon is very much going to probe from the outside. You're going to see a lot of oblique kicks to the knee. You're going to see a lot of push kicks. He's going to be on the move on the outside. You might start seeing him mix in some jabs. He'll probably do it from southpaw. He'll probably be cutting angles, maybe trying to pressure, although who's to say because you know Francis, by the way, is a professional fighter too. He's got a game plan. We'll see how that goes. But if it is successful for Gaon, BC, let's assume that is the the – the, what's happening here, he will begin to slowly heat up, slowly heat up. By round three, you'll see him beginning to switch back to orthodox and now really start pushing on the volume, pushing on the pace. So what I'm looking to see is to what extent either that comes to life because that will be involved in that fight time. I think what Cyril wants to do is slowly start ratchet it up round two, ratchet it up round three, take him as deep as you can or as deep as you need to anyway, and then really put it on him. Not just because he'll be more tired and a little bit, a little bit more labored. His decision-making won't be nearly as quick either. Everything in that sense will be a step behind. Or, BC, it won't because Francis will disrupt it, lay one of the hammers on him, and we don't have to worry about the fight going I mean, you way. just You just outlined exactly why the the juxtaposition of the two styles and, and the, the questions that we need answered are so freaking interesting. And obviously we know Gon could, you know, be a wizard for four and a half rounds and then catch the wrong shot. I mean, it's just the, that there's, there's dynamite in that. And that's a big part of why we can't wait to watch it. But obviously when you're going to do a, a preview, this detailed, you're going to have to ask the cynical devil's advocate questions just the same. So Luke, this morning I rewatched again because both you and Dominic Cruz have, preached my ignorance in this category the uh the tape i watched the tape of uh Don <laughs> dismantling Derek lewis and luke okay. i don't discount at all that every little brilliant thing that Gon did like work the legs so consistently like stand at range and almost dare Derek lewis to come on and push up past a fast pace and all these brilliant things that that Gon does and maybe only Gon can do when that fight hit its hit its uh you know its core once it was go time and we were going to figure it out and gone was either going to get to the finish that he quickly did or you know or he was or lewis was finally going to start committing and throwing um you would would you admit that lewis imploded in a way that was shocking and i do not see under any circumstance in ganu reacting like that and i think we saw you know great evidence in what was an otherwise disastrous loss to Stipe, we saw that that he that he's going to be here, Luke. Oh yeah, I, I I would agree with that analysis completely. You know I'm high on Gone, but I watched the same fight this morning just you know for purposes of the show, refresh my memory, and I had the same feeling. But here's what I also did: I also watched the Volkov fight with Cyril Gone, and here's a big difference: Cyril Gone in that one came out and was really inside of boxing range and was lighting him up with the hands from the word go. Why? Well, a guy like Volkov is not quite as nimble as Derek, believe it or not. I don't think his footwork and his movement is as fast. Not that Derek is like lightning with it, but he's a little bit quicker when he needs to be. Uh, more to the point, you just don't want to be outside of the range of Volkov or the range of the legs or the punch. So he was really inside that space, pushing him back. And it was a very different kind of fight from the word go than the one we saw against Derek Lewis. Why do I bring all of this up? Because it just shows you that Gon's fighting 
strategy, fight over fight, there will be some unifying themes and weapons, but it's highly customizable. It's extremely customizable. What he did for Volkov looks in many ways kinds of similar, but when we pay attention to details, it's actually a very, very different game than the one he did against Derek Lewis because they're very different fighters with very different challenges. You need adjustment fight to fight, but that's what yeah. you would see. So you're right. If you look at that Lewis fight, you're like, oh, he can do all this stuff and it will work on Francis. Maybe some of that's it a will. Good answer. I'm with you. A lot of it won't. That's a very effective counter shot you just landed uh, of the other side of it in and I mean, look, if, if if anyone had doubts and you know, I did, I just didn't, it's not that I was against gun or, or still am. It's just, uh, I needed to see something. I saw everything I needed to see in that Volkov fight. A uh, was a motherfucker in that fight. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, that guy can, can beat Engano. Absolutely. There's no question about it. So, um, as we, as we get into this and I, and as we stay in there in terms of, of that, if I have one other fear gone um is this luke i i liked your interview in october with ferdinand lopez i i sourced it a lot for a story that that i wrote uh yesterday about you know cyril gone if he wins like we're looking at heavyweight 2.0 or 3.0 however you want to look at it we're looking at a a new breed of of alien and maybe somebody who you know is a, is a game changer in terms of the skill set the iq that a heavyweight could have and I think what was really interesting, I want to throw to a to a piece of, of, of Fernand Lopez just talking about a part of this, about what makes Gon so good. But um, it, it's super interesting in that regard. So let me throw to that first, and then I'll, I'll bounce back on the other side. Here's uh, Fernand Lopez with the great Luke Thomas. Uh, mostly of the time is being cerebral. This kid is a computer. It's just a computer. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm deadly honest. When he shows up in the gym, didn't know how to move like that because he was a love fight. Actually, uh, um, people, they, they tend to think that Cyril is someone who avoid fighting and try to touch without get touched. This is the device of the gym. Cyril, actually, I need to hold him on. Because if I release him, he will just be fighting. He loves the fight. He loves the contact. He's a good kid, but with the like mentality of fighting. He likes the blood. He like he like fight. Luke, I, by the way, that's a seriously, that's a great listen. Like he, he, you know, you did you were great in guiding him, but he's a very intellectual, uh, you know, way of looking at this. Um, so Luke, also, look, everybody also shouts, to, shouts to him doing that at a Barnes and Noble, apparently. Uh, yeah. I was going to say his, either his home library is incredibly, uh, <laughs> awesome. Or those are price tags right there, sir. I can't also, really, all was, of his books are in English. So that's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. That was interesting. But Luke, look, obviously everybody has this one question about someone when they can't, you know, like right now, this is, this is almost a 50, 50 fight. You saw that in the betting odds, whoever you think is going to win more or less, you're probably thinking they're going to win dominantly. They're like, cause they're going to have figured out and done something that 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 shuts down their opponent's best best laid plans my thing i can't get around is this luke what ferdinand also said to you was that he knew within gan's initial transition from kickboxing muay thai into mma that he's very talented uh striking wise in many ways and he basically said to himself you know it would take a long time to get you up to speed in wrestling it would take a long time to get you up to speed in some of the areas that you just can't be, that aren't as good as you're striking, that I want to teach you how to 
have this ideal situation of hit and not get hit. I want to teach you how to be at distance all the time in such a perfect spot so nobody can get close enough to take you down. So nobody can get close enough to apply any level of damage on you. And look, obviously, you need someone, the sick athlete transcendent level of a serial gun, we're finding out, to pull off something like that. But my fear in that being the foundational makeup of how Cyril Ghosn was turned into this great force that he is, was that was entirely built upon avoidance when inevitably, Luke, somebody's going to break through that wall and you're going to be on the negative side of a fight having to rally back and having to make changes where sometimes you get a Ronda Rousey situation in that where someone dominates it, it, by avoiding the dangers of their opponents. By What did Ronda do? She had you down in, in tapping before you were even able to, you know, educate, I'm sorry, execute your game plan. But then when she had to go toe-to-toe with, with people in certain spots, when it all fell apart, it, it fell apart completely. I, I, I'm not saying I, I think Gon is, you know, has a chance to be that much of a disaster in terms of night and day. I just mean it's built upon not knowing what it's going to look like if somebody takes you to the deep waters, no one can get to you to the deep waters faster than Francis Ngannou. No one on this planet, Luke. That fact that we don't have an answer for that is the only thing right now that 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 mutes this l- large large noise coming out from the earth that says Cyril Gan is the next great heavyweight. You know what I mean? Like I it, like it's not that I don't hear that or see that. I can't get over this question. Uh, does anything I just said make any sense to you? I guess I just don't understand what you mean necessarily by avoiding the fight. Here's what I'm. Here's why. Let me flesh out that question because I I do. I am interested in your answer. I'm not here to make a counterpoint. Do you mean to say like Ronda avoided striking scenarios, not like Bechkohea, but like in general, she would like to try to wrap up and then get on top, right? Like Cyril Gaon, you know, he lands five and a half strikes a minute and absorbs two and a half a minute in all ranges. Like he's not, are you saying he doesn't brawl well enough? No, I'm saying he's, I'm saying that he has figured out a, a fighting system in which he has been able to control the terms of the fight 100% of his time in there. Like seriously, I, re- I went back and watched every fight. Like one, like, you know, maybe not a hundred, okay. 99.98% of the time, he is in control of distance. He's smarter or faster than his. Like, look, these are all oh, compliments. So your, your idea is like, what happens if he's on the back foot metaphor? Yes, and, and, and it's not that I, I. It's not that I see the self destruct button that people like Amir Khan has, who's such a great talent, but can't. You know, Edmund Shabazian. Like you're like you can't figure it out. You know, even though the talent's there. Um, he's. It seems like he's basically at the end of the day. It seems like Cyril Gunn really is everything you think he is. I just think this freaking well, predator, Luke, is yeah. so is so different that it's not that Gon couldn't come from behind and win this fight if he has to, but he hasn't even smelled a scenario like that, Luke. I mean, I'll just say this. like, I mean, if you, your point is like, yeah, if you take those things away, can Cyril win? I mean, if you take what those conditions are for any fighter, they can't win. So, yeah, you're right. Like, under that, under that idea, he would certainly win. I guess the thing that I would say, though, is like, this is why I think the fight will be good and why it's intriguing and maybe I'll meet you halfway a little, BC. Think about Wilder and Fury. Not the second fight, but like the first and the third one, especially like the third one. Dude, like how much better of a pure boxer is Tyson Fury than Deontay Wilder? Just on pure boxing terms. Man, on pure, pure boxing terms, like dude, he's a lot better. Like it's a significant jump. 
But because the fucking power of Wilder is so extraordinary, and he's tough as shit too, we give him credit there. Um, you know, he was able to make it close in in two of the fights, basically, right? I mean, really close in certain ways. I I actually would argue that like that framing isn't even fair to Francis here. Francis is not just a one punch kind of dynamo. He actually has a lot more going for him. Um, so I actually think it's closer to that. But I'm just pointing out like. The, the thing you're raising and that I pointed out is I think Gon is more cerebral than any of the other fighters in this division. However, however, because Francis has such physical gifts and he is more talented than just being a dumb brute, dude, it like, it, the, you know, the dynamism in play here just cannot be ignored. Like, Francis's off-switch potential is the greatest of any fighter I've ever seen in mixed martial arts. No, it's that, but it's not just that. Where with Wilder... It was just that with 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 right. Nganu, I think Luke, like my my greatest actual fight question. I know I'm talking very theatrical and generic here, but my greatest in fight question is what happens if Francis gets a takedown and moves to top position and is sort of a next level grounded pound at force? I mean, what if he what if he's a freaking nightmare down there? We saw him. He looked really good against Stipe in that rematch. It was a very small you know sample size. But like those are some of the things that I'm like. If you if he starts going downhill, like he may never. I don't think I don't know if you can stop him, and, it may, and not even from a one punch scenario. More from he's just going to maul you and take you down. Well, the only problem is uh, Cyril Gon granted ten fights total, so keep that in mind. But he's got a one hundred percent takedown defensive rate. Now, also Francis is pretty good at seventy two percent, and again, you throw out the one Stipe fight when he was still early on, and it's even better than that. It's actually very good. So I actually think both of these guys are going to be hard to take down. BC, that's why I keep going back to the time. At the time, what's going to happen if Francis looks like a fucking dynamo through three rounds, where Cyril is trying this and this and this and this, and then nothing works, but then he just gets. A little bit of too much spent on the gas tank. And now he's a little bit more stationary. And now the game changes a little bit. Like, there's all kinds of ways. Dude, there are so many. I guess what I'm pointing out is there are so many variables here where it could swing the fight in a lot of different directions. Even if you think you know Cyril or you think you know Francis, there's a lot in play here. And so it makes the fight exciting, unknowable in certain ways. And, and I can't wait. I can't wait. Who do you think initiates the first heat up the first time that you know they, they touch gloves it's going to be dramatic intense as shit you know it's going to be real a fun it's gonna be a fun ride luke okay but okay. the first time they both commit to letting go combinations at the same time who's going to be the one that initiates that Ooh, um cyril's a good counterfighter so francis might be the initiator i think to get where like a bit of a back and forth because I don't think Cyril's gonna want to plant and dude you can't take clean punches from Francis and he probably oh. knows that dude he probably knows that better than we do you cannot do it so I think it's gonna have to be Cyril kind of sticking and moving the best of his ability and then you know rolling with something and then coming back with something else I mean Luke not not to sit here and shit on Derek Lewis it's not my intention at all like but that that fight was disastrous the way it went for him it's just that like I, he never got to a point where he's just like, F it, I'm going for it. And that's what we were all hoping. You know, as coaches Correct. are almost hoping for that. The fans were hoping for that. Francis is going to get to that point so much faster. Whether he's able to ever land on Gon or not, we're going to find out that answer so much sooner. I cannot see Gon, even if I can imagine him winning, even Gon, you know, Gon coming out and pitching a shutout the first three rounds, and we're like, oh shit, it's working. Um, I can't imagine it be, it, 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 
dominantly working like it did to Lewis, right? Like, he shot Lewis the hell down. Dude, Lewis was, that was a bad matchup for Derek. I mean, I think we could both agree, right? Like, the way in which Cyril fights is uniquely good for beating the kind of fighters like Derek Lewis. It's just not fair to him. And you're not going to see your, like, if you're trying to understand why people like Derek Lewis, you wouldn't watch that fight. There might no. be some other losses that you watch, actually, BC. Part not of his... No, not right, <laughs> right. Well, I mean, you, you would agree, though. Like, part of his charm is obviously his amazing knockout power. But, you know, he's been in tough fights where he looked shitty and, and pulled it out or whatever or, or looked good and then didn't win. But this was one where he just looked bad or out of it or, you know, a step behind the entire way. And then when he fell apart, he just fell apart pretty quickly. I, I would agree. It's not Derek Lewis's best showing, and it was never going to be, you know. Okay, so I like how you initially, to, to paint a great, you know, debate picture, why Gon is, you know, maybe even better than I realize is that you, you believe Gon can be a chameleon or you've seen proof of it that no matter who's the style, like, so against Lewis, Gon really set up shop at very close firing range. And it was purposeful to, to you know, but it didn't welcome Lewis to come on. It, it, it intimidated him in a lot of ways. Uh, and he and and not just that he was getting countered a lot. So every time he threw, he was having to eat something for it and he didn't know what to do about it. How close then? Can Gan set up shop to Nganu considering the reach and obviously the ridiculous explosive fight ending power? How so close can thing. he can he operate? Does, so my question is, does he have to be more of a of a darting in and out style? Or is there just a line close enough where he can set up set up, you know, the the the, the dig in deep and say this, you know, now or nothing? I have a feeling that you're going to see a lot of Southpaw because from Southpaw, you, you'll you see that uh, Cyril Gaon loves to cut angles almost like Usyk does a little bit. Not Usyk is like a lesser version in the angle cutting of Lomachenko and uh, Gaon is even, you know, it's MMA, it's a different sport. It's a little bit less than that. But like these, these he really is big on finding dominant angles through that Southpaw stance. I think I think you're going to see a lot of that. You're asking about like you know what else might he he do here? Basically, a, a, a roundabout way of talking about it. No one's really no one's really discussing. I think two operative things we really need to talk about. One, I think Gon is. I don't know if he's going to get it. I think he's going to pursue the takedown. I think the takedown is going to be a key portion. Even the threat of the takedown, because dude, again, you got to get Francis engaged in something else before you even attempt an attack and if he's worried about that takedown for whatever reason you're doing to him that can have a, a pretty important impact look I, I think, think that's a major point and and I hadn't thought about that scenario enough gone can, can using the uh his and, offensive and wrestling as a weapon gone like has also submission skills too don't forget that absolutely which would certainly come into play if if uh if Francis was fatigued but uh, that's probably your best, the best counter argument to someone like me who's like, you know, I just can't see him doing this to this level of beast. Yeah, um, like, do you want to slug it out with Francis for 25 minutes? Well, that's, that's part of what can, I... can, you know? So as we try to create in our head what, what could be the best game plan for Gon, th that's it, man, because you're not going to... I like, want to talk about one more thing, though, that I think actually might work in Francis's favor, and no one's talking well, about it. Well, hold on, Luke. I, I want to stay on... Hot, should it be Gon's main focus beyond avoid getting knocked out? Should his main focus be to gas out Francis? Yes. And there's and, and he could do yes. that. Yes. He could do that in the traditional boxing way or with the takedowns, like you said. But that should be number one without question. His goal in this fight, dude. It's the same game plan that I thought. Like all these guys who want to go in there and strike with Connor in the first round, and we're talking Pete Connor, like up to 2016 when he was on that amazing hot streak. I'm like, stop. 
going in there and striking with him in the first round, even if you think he can. Now, Connor's a little bit different. I think he's feeling it in that first round, in addition to his considerable skill set. Again, we're talking 2016, Connor, the guy who fought, you know, Jose and then Eddie Alvarez. You know, at that time, he had really great range management. He was just hot from the first minute. I don't know if, if, if Francis is hot and cold like that, but you can well imagine at the beginning of a fight, his power, while it might carry late as well, his power in the first and second round is going to be fucking extraordinary so why are you out there fucking struggling with it with him what did habib do habib didn't even try in the first round to do anything other than fucking hold this guy down and make his arms work and then what did he do in the second round faked low and then came up top that was exactly what he did dude i'm not saying you're gonna see gone do a habib 2.0 or whatever but taking elements of that strategically i think he might i think he really might but i mean we gotta so, talk about this other thing dude no, well, no I, see, I can't get you onto the other thing yet luke because you're you're painting such a great picture of of how they will counter each other in these key strategic things that are going to fly by right in front of us, and um, the idea of gassing out so purposefully in Ganu is so interesting. That do you think you even take a bit of a gamble if you're gone, and you you have great stamina? You you know so far everything we've seen from gone is you've got a great gas tank, but what if you like step it up double time in rounds one and two? To try to just say, look, I, I trust that I trust that I can get Nganu gassed before I can gas myself out trying. Do you know what I'm saying, Luke? Should he be trying to not just aim to gas him out, but really weaponize the potential of what that can do? I don't think he should. Like, if, dude, if you have to worry about, yes, of course, there are times to really pursue something in a, in a ferocious way. If you have an opponent hurt and you're in mount, yes, just unloading with strikes. You know, that can be tiresome. You know, people talk, you know, blowing your water, whatever, and then you have to fight later on. But I would say, generally speaking, as a rule, if more work can't be factored into your game plan, you probably ha don't have good enough cardio. So I would actually argue, like, him laboring himself to tire out Francis, yes, there are best practices around that. But if you can't do that, like you got a bit of a problem. You should yeah, be that could yourself. be the question. The question should Plaza, be Francis. Part two. The, yeah, go ahead. The, the, go ahead. the question should be: Can Francis lean on metaphorically and and literally Cyril to to wear him out through what he's doing? Because another thing you might see from Cyril, remember he has a Thai background, a Thai boxing background. One way to avoid some of the bigger punches and strikes from Francis is to be all the way away, or it's to be right up on top of him, a clinch, an aggressive controlled clinch where you're the one dominating the space but you can see that as well knees to the body over and over again pulling him turning him whipping him that could be that I mean francis is probably very strong but you know if you can fight in that space look look go look at some of the sparring footage where was he throwing it elbow range that's where you would want to be with francis you don't want to be all the way out or you know right in mid-range or whatever luke sometimes art imitates life in these situations um in, in turn, uh, go, no, I'll keep going, Luke. I just fell off the cliff. I had, I, and it was, it was common, Luke. It was. Common. Well, here's the thing that no one's talking about that I really just want to put in the heads of people because you're like, well, how much of a role will it play? There's no way to know. But dude, I am very much of the belief. Now we've not talked to the judges, so I can't say this with any degree of real certainty. But I'm giving you my opinion. My opinion is strongly that the only reason John Jones beat Dominic Reyes on the judges' scorecards is because of the rule set that Texas employs, which values forward pressure, even if the person who is being pressured back is doing so strategically for the best benefit of their game plan. That's here's something, you, here's something <laughs> you have to consider. What if it ends up being like Francis stalking? Big cage, we're not in the apex. It's not the small cage, it's the big cage. 
Francis is stalking, and Cyril's trying a game plan of just pot-shotting him. And maybe it's working a little bit, not doing a whole lot, it's landing. And maybe Francis lands big leg kicks or the occasional thing as he's chasing him. It's a boring fight and it goes 25 minutes. Maybe you don't even think Cyril deserves the win, and, and they just give the nod to Francis. I'm just pointing out there are a couple of permutations where Francis is marching on this guy. He might get the benefit of the doubt just because of the rule set even if he shouldn't, so just pay attention to what's happening there. What's the percentage out of a hundred that you believe this fight goes the distance? Under whoever wins, under you know, twenty-five percent. I think it's very likely a finish is achieved. Yeah. So you okay? That's interesting. So if you you believe if Gan does execute his game plan, that either it will succeed in in getting you know in gassing out uh, you know uh, Ngannou and getting him there, or do you believe that? Don could just step in and make that happen. Well, we all know Francis's big fight potential is, in terms of uh, vicious stoppages, is pretty high. So there's that. And then on the Gon side, you know, at first I did not necessarily see him doing that. But, um, you know, in thinking about it a little bit, I actually do. I think Francis is as tough as shoe leather, but I just, I don't know. For some reason, I got a feeling that, like, if Gon is to win, uh, you know, going 25 minutes with that beast, unless you're wrestling with him a lot, is probably going to be very difficult. I think he's got a lot of finishing skills when he needs them, and I think I'll find them here. What I was going to ask you before is related to this when I had that aneurysm. Sorry, Luke. Um, is that the sometimes our imitating life and, and vice versa, uh, a head kick knockout from Nganu. How much is that on your radar? It would be sort of like, oh, you know, whether or not I did it to you in practice, which we're, you know, arguing about right now. You know, we saw that with, like, Manda Nunes purposely wanted to get a first-round head kick knockout of home, you know, to sort of, like... We saw that when 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 Bech Cohea asked for it, Luke, and then Holly Holm gave it to her right after. Yep. Um, yep. If Francis is able to be a th- a legitimate threat, if he has added that to his game, or he is somehow a legitimate high kick knockout threat, he's never going to lose again, Luke. I mean, like this this is like we could like is there is that possible? Is it possible for him to level up? Even higher to like I mean, scariest. I don't, I don't understand your question. Is is something I like about a guy I like possible? Yes. I, I mean, mean, like, I, what yeah. the hell is Francis's danger ceiling for like the improvement he may have made since the last fight, or not just the improvement, but like we haven't seen him forced to try it yet? That's an interesting question. I, I mean, I thought that his the 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 difference between. What he showed in the Rosenstrike fight for all 18 seconds and then what he showed against Stipe the second time is two completely different fighters. And the one against Stipe was just a force of nature. You know, if he can build on that and keep his composure, dude, he can beat anybody. He can beat anybody. I mean, who could deny it, right? If he, if he can do that, let's just see. Let's just see. The best fighters are the ones that typically, typically, are the ones that can define the terms of a fight. And uh, Francis has done that. Very successfully, a lot speaking of times. Of let's, well, speaking of, let's see. It's time for us to make our official predictions. Even though, Luke, you don't do predictions, and even though you don't believe in predictions, it's time for you to deliver a prediction. Luke Thomas, who wins? How does this fight end? Yes, predictions are silly. Um, so this is just for fun. I would not use this as betting advice. Forced to make a pick for fun, though. I'll probably go with Gone. I think Gone is about the most sophisticated best practices of the modern style of striking I've seen, not in all of UFC, but certainly in all of UFC heavyweight division. I don't think folks really understand how special he is because he hasn't made a big splash 
necessarily, even though, you know, insiders understand how good he is, but he hasn't had that. He hasn't commanded that presence. And um, I have a feeling he's going to do that by Saturday. Luke, I might be the Cyril Gone of, uh, of broadcasting. No, you're you're much more the Michael Bisping. <laughs> You've only got that, one good eye because shampoo took one of them. That is and very true. Luke. And in the late chapters of your career, you're fucking kicking ass. That so. is also a great point, Luke. Yes, yes. Uh, interesting. Uh, Luke, you made a great argument this entire show against anyone looking at this 50-50 amazing fight and and not picking Francis Ngannou. And all that stuff is true. Ngannou very well might be you know everything i thought he could be and and more and it still might not matter and i think luke i'm staying on this side of the field like it we're gonna ask certain questions of gone in this fight to win this that we haven't seen him answer yet uh the same is true though for francis and meaning i think he can be even scarier than we realize and i think he's going to show that he's going to have to probably lose the, the first couple rounds luke but I think Francis can is going to retain enough stamina there in round three because look, that's the key. I think the middle ground on our predictions in a lot of ways is if Francis doesn't get gassed out, but does clearly lose the first couple rounds. Like Gon's system is implemented and working to a certain level, not enough to land crazy heavy shots that'll change the you know course of the fight, and not enough to you know, but like. If if Ngannou can keep it at least at that level, and keep that keep enough fuel in that tank to load up that gun, not just lucky chance, but actually set something up, he'll get it, Luke. You can't go. You can't. You cannot go twenty five minutes with a version of this guy, no matter what you bring to the table. I think Gan brings something better to the table than any other person on the planet could, and I still think Ngannou is going to get us a third round finish here. And Luke, I can't friggin' Luke. I mean, what did? You are you rock hard with emotion just thinking about this fight, or am, am I alone here, Luke, trying to carry this lumber through customs? I mean, please. I don't have as quite as much pins and needles as you, but uh, yes, it's a tremendous contest. Right, <laughs> very very diplomatic of you. I have a very yeah. I, listen. I mean, listen. Here's the thing. This is why it's so weird. It's like I have a very strong belief in Gone to win this. However, however. It's like, dude, Francis, we've talked about it a million times. Francis' ability to find the off switch is pretty pronounced. Like, either this is going to be some kind of coronation of gone, or his ass is going to wake up looking at the lights. Like, it's not too hard to figure out in that sense. It's just hard to know exactly which way it's going to go, you know? That was just, a, you know, some old school dad reaction right there. But I understand it, Luke. I get it at the end of the day. Uh, co-main event, Luke. Davidson Figueredo is going to try one more time to put that one two five strap around him in a third fight with Mexico's first UFC champion, Brandon Moreno. Luke, I think Moreno has continued to win every public press situation he's in. Luke, he ha- is he is his charismatic, un- can't-deny personality Amanda Hebas level, would you say? He might be liked. He's liked more. Well, he's more popular than she is, so it's hard to compare apples to apples. But he is superbly well however much i'm hated that's how much he's like yeah. that's a lot bro that's a lot yeah. yeah he's uh yeah he's on fire luke uh he's the favorite here heading into this trilogy bout we've debated and argued whether this fight even needs to happen but we know it has the potential to be all action and fun and crazy the betting odds at the moment from DraftKings minus 180 brandon moreno your favorite plus 155 figueredo so luke 
that is showing the respect that the 34-year-old Figueredo is not only a great finisher, but he's going to he's gonna give it everything he has to try to get that. Like, you're going to get his best punch. Whether he's physically able to do it or not, you're going to get him going for it. That does show a lot of respect, though, that people believe he's very much in this fight early on to get, you know, potentially to get a finish. Would you agree with that? Figueredo? Yes. I don't know, man. I watched the last one again. The The first fight was obviously just bananas. Uh, then I watched the second one again. And it was even more impressive on rewatch, man. Moreno was uh, not the entire time, but for long stretches of this fight, just a step ahead. That was the opposite of their first fight, where I thought he was like in it, but maybe a little bit behind playing catch up at times, you know, but kind of um, raising his game in a way we didn't know he could, like over overachieving in certain ways, but coming up a little bit short in the end. Not the second time they fought. He was, he just ran his ass over. I, I, yeah, I he feel like the the shit, guy, Luke. He kicked the shit out of him. Say yeah, it. it wasn't. It wasn't close. And like you know, I, I. I. By the way, he just made weight. He was the first one I think to make weight of all, maybe of all the fighters, certainly of all the championship fighters on this card. So shouts to Brandon Moreno coming in at one twenty four. Um, but dude, he he his his improvement is so. We, we talked about it on Wednesday. So extreme, and then more than that, dude. You know what you can see on him? He knew he was going to win that day. You can see it on his face. You could not see it on Figueroa's face. He just went in there with an absolute sense of purpose. I feel like, you know, it's sometimes fighters can get a lot out of themselves when they're angry at the world, right? For long stretches, that can be true. But I don't see Moreno as the angry type, so I think he's the opposite, right? He's a guy who's going to thrive off of happiness and fulfillment and family and whatever else. And he's got all of that and then some. I, I really believe you're going to see a strong performance from Brandon Moreno tomorrow night. Okay, on the flip side, Luke, what, and this is a key question to answer how you could look at this fight, and the betting odds are pretty damn close, as we mentioned right there. Um, what are the what are the odds that you believe Moreno has improved more than Figueredo has the ability to, to show you that that second fight was an aberration? Meaning, how much does this weight cut decide what this fight looks like? Because mm. it really comes down to, do you think the Figueredo from the second fight was just completely weight drained. It was, just, you know, just was a bad cut, and it wasn't him. Or do you believe that, whether or not it was him, Moreno's just better? Right, the latter, the latter. I don't have a, I don't have a doubt that, that weight cut messes with him. I think you'd be an idiot to assume that like he's normal or the same even, fight over fight. I mean, he is cutting an extraordinary amount of weight, and I'm sorry. Even small changes in your prep could yield big differences, both in terms of whether you make it and how you make it and what you had to do to make it. And so whenever he makes it, that's impressive, but he's not going to be the same every time. That's a shitload he is costing himself for whatever benefits are there. So no, I don't really think it's that. He might have a better cut this time. I hope he does. I hope he gets the best kind of cut. But it looked to me like Moreno figured out what he needed to know about himself and about some of the specifics of Figueredo's game in that first fight. And there's you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube at this point. Now, I will say, it's not the same as Francis and Gone, but it is worth pointing out for 125, Figueredo has a massive punch and obviously great. He has a great, he can snatch up a guillotine when he needs one too. So, you know, his fight ending potential is high, but I just think Moreno is, is a step ahead. Is Figueredo a poor man's pit bull? Patricio. He's a little different. He's a little different. He's much more of a grappler first and puncher second in terms of like where his 
skill development comes from. So not exactly, not exactly. All right, let's weigh in. Let's give a final weigh in on his swagger, Luke. He did, you know, an interview with me over uh, before the last fight, uh, shirtless with sunglasses on. He gets that streak put into his hair. He travels, as we saw, in embedded full time with it with a hairdresser, which is. Which, I mean, that's some champ shit right there, Luke. You can't, I mean, you know, love it or hate it, the, the underdog's on top. Um, he had a grill on his teeth in, in the press conference this week. And like we saw, he was he was a clown of, of that same presser. Uh, maybe the, the, the attempts at trash talk missed. It's hard to tell. He did draw legitimate heat from the crowd there, like pro wrestling heat. Uh, is this guy cool or not, Luke? Because he is a savage, man. He, he, don't, he don't care, Luke. Well, I'll say this: uh, Figueredo just made weight. He made 124, and he looks—I mean, he looks sucked out. Don't get me wrong, but he looks like his from an attitude standpoint, like the ease with which he made it. He looks great. He came in a pound under. He's smiling. He's flexing. He's got a ton of energy. So there you go. To answer the question previously, I don't think it's going to be relevant. But yeah, dude, like he—it it was terrible yesterday at that presser. I was like, dude, what are you doing? Like. This is a poor man's, poor man's, poor man's, poor man's Colby Covington. This is just you. It was like fuck this. It was like fifth rate Masvidal, which makes it like fifth rate Tony Montana. So it's like those direct to video action flicks that that like show up on these apps, and you're like, you know what? This movie probably sucks, but you know I could probably still enjoy it because it's just shitty action. He's that. He's the star of that movie. You're saying, dude. Like, and again, I keep going back to it, but like, dude, trying to insult someone in another language, it's hard to do. It's hard to do. Uh, and Bohashinia has fucked it up at times, you know, where it's like, you, you know, or Vanderlei, I want to fuck Chuck. It's like, I don't think you do. I don't think that's right. You got to be careful with that. Otherwise, it ends up backfiring. All right. Uh, whether he's cool or not, Luke, the odds tell you he is a threat in this one. His history, his the class he is as a fighter tells you that it's po- very possible, even at 34. But what's more likely to happen? I believe that you're going to pick Moreno. Maybe you've already said, I don't know. I, I feel it coming out of you. Is it more likely then that Moreno dominates maybe even faster than the second fight? Or that Moreno still wins, but this is the best fight of the trilogy, Luke? I think it might be that. I think it might be that. I think Figueredo is probably going to have a couple extra things he tries, which is going to throw a wrench into some of Moreno's plans, which means we're going to have to see Moreno adapt, adjust, take take some time to figure things out to a new direction. But I don't, I don't think Figueredo, again, he's got a big punch. You never know, right? We never know. But provided that Moreno is still kind of in it, as long as the fight is continuing and he's not in being mounted, he can win anywhere, right? He can win that fight. People, don't, people think he can only win on the feet or some shit or, or, or he has to win there first before going to the ground. or something. He can win that fight anywhere, on top, on his back, on so, his feet, whatever. So What's interesting like is Figueredo's the one who is – has Henry Cejudo as a coach for this fight, and that may or may not mean anything into this one. It will be interesting to see. But do you think Moreno can win this fight strictly on offensive wrestling? No. Figueredo's guard is too good. No. And his back-taking ability is too good. But but could he win with a wrestling-dominant game plan? Yeah, 100%. that's more likely. Yeah, it's more likely. All right. Yeah, I just got excited about this fight again, Luke. Okay? So it is great matchmaking. It will be fun. It will be you can fun. argue against it for a couple, you know, nerdy reasons, but it is great matchmaking. Luke, what else on this card is moving your needle? When Michelle Pineda is coming in there against Andre Fialo, uh, minus 280, Pineda as the favorite, Luke. Uh, tell me which version of this sometimes theatrically amazing and sometimes weird as shit welterweight uh, is at and where he's going. What is he going to uh, look like in this fight? 
I don't really care about this fight. So I'm going to answer the question that you asked me at the beginning of your sentence, which was, what other fights do you care about on this? I oh don't my care God, about you have no, you, look, you, like, you, would, you would go to the bathroom during this fight is what you're saying. I don't care about this fight in any capacity whatsoever. It does nothing for wow. me. Um, wow. You had the, the intensity of a, of a racist right there, Luke. I'm not saying you saying that is a racist <laughs> statement. I'm saying you had that same energy, Luke, okay? You know? Yeah, it's you're actually like, not racial energy, but it, you're it's like, that fuck heat, this you know? fight. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I don't. I, I just, dude, this card is not good. Like, we should just say it. it's not good. The, the, obviously, the main and co main are great, but the card is weak and All right. not All right. great. What, what should I watch out for then, Luke? Give me, talk to me about Jack Della Maddalena, Luke. Come on. Uh, I won't. Um, and I was going to talk about Hadolfo Vieira and Wellington Terman, but that fight is now off, so the card got even weaker. But yeah. the one you have to pay attention to is Ilya Toporia and Charles Jourdain out of Canada. Here we have two top prospects, two different parts of the world, Georgia slash Spain against uh, French Canada or wherever part of Canada he's from. I'm assuming it's Quebec. But, um, you know, two different styles, two young guns. Two guys who are who can if they need to. Well, in the case of Jordan, who can grind. Toporia, we know he's very talented. What happens if this fight goes late? And you know, beating a guy the quality of Jordan, if that's what ends up happening, or vice versa, will tell you a lot about the upside of the other guy. I fucking love this fight, even though Jordan bit up against a little bit because he's coming in in short notice. But great, great, great fight. Easily the the third the best fight on this card, not the main and co main. If you all right, your energy just went from racist to like guy makes his own beer in his garage and he want, really wants to tell you about it like you know like that was that is awesome <laughs> yeah that was that was interesting uh luke quickly Kay hansen's back and like m you know miranda maverick they look to be potential like rousey 2.0 evolutions uh but Kay's coming off of a defeat are you interested in this fight against jasmine jerd Jer uh would you pronounce that last name luke i lost just suda vicious oh there you go there you go okay. That, that, is that Lithuanian, Luke? I mean, it sounds it. You know I, 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 I think that it is. I mean, right, you, you so. tell me. Maybe I need you to get me. in on the inside of this fight. Uh, do you still have monster high hopes for Kay Hansen or no? I don't know where the high... I mean, she's young and she's good. Let's say it out loud. She is a young fighter, very young, and she is quite talented. Uh, there is no denying it. But she's still quite green. Like, this idea is like she's going to be... She, I'm not in any way suggesting she will not be a high-level, high-ranked potentially even championship fighter. What I am saying is she's at the bottom of this fight card against Jasmine Jasudovicius because she is quite green. Both of them are quite green. They still have a long way to go before even near peak development. So, yes, she's talented, but this is a very early step. Yeah, yeah. that's fair, Luke. Uh, wow, this card does blow, Luke. I mean, I'm trying to get excited about... Yeah, it's, it's bad. It's the card is not yeah, in any way yeah. good. It's, yeah, it's it sucks. All right, Luke, also on Saturday night, we've got Showtime Championship Boxing, and it's going down in Atlantic City from the Borgata. And Luke, um, one of the most talented fighters in the world. Yeah, he is don't he? fight a lot. Is he? he? He don't fight a lot. Gary Russell Jr., who is the longest, I believe the longest reigning male title holder at the moment, going back to 2015 of his featherweight WBC crown. Luke, he typically fights once per year. It was a almost a two-year gap this time with COVID and everything else, but he will be having his mandatory title defense against Mark Magseo. It's a very interesting matchup from that regard because Magseo is coming off that knockout of the year uh, highlight in which he rallied back, and he's starting to get a name as a hungry uh, Filipino puncher, to be fair. you know, and He's promoted and managed by Manny Pacquiao, so I'm not saying he has next Manny Pacquiao potential, but he's a fun-ass fighter. Is the the storyline though is more about like, hey Gary Russell, 
when are you going to fully bloom and fulfill that potential we know you have that we've seen out of you? But Luke, in all the interviews this week, all the press conferences, Gary, and this is a, a sort of a new mantra that he's that he's staying with, he puts it the blame of his inactivity like 100% on the boxing business for guys not, the big, other big stars not being willing to fight him. He cut a promo on Leo Santa Cruz. I mean, he does it in a very slick way. Look, Gary Russell's, like, he's brilliant. He's got an incredible mind. Uh, I can't tell if this is like a work or if this is just the fuel he really Dude. believes that, that Dude. like, Come everyone's on. afraid to fight him and this dictates it. Either way, Luke, um, he none of this inactivity has ever hurt him in the ring. He fought six times in 2011. He fought two times in 2012. He fought two times in 2013. He fought three times in 2014. He won the belt in 2015. And since then, it's been once a year. So before he was champion, he had no problems with the boxing business. Now he got the belt and it's even harder to get fights. This is obviously bullshit. I don't believe this for a second. <laughs> I'm not saying that in every case where he had a negotiation potentially come up that he's the common denominator problem and it's always him. There might be a lot of scenarios where he really did try and a lot of the guys pulled out or wasn't interested or whatever. I'm not saying he hasn't made over the course of, cause since then, 2015 one time, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 one time. He had, didn't even fight in 2021. He's almost been off two years, BC. And he, he hasn't been, been out of the between, but. I don't know if you've noticed, he hasn't been out of the headlines, though. He keeps getting in these, like, online arguments with bigger fighters that it usually ends with him being like, you know, well, let's fight. Let's meet in the middle. And, and then nothing happens. So maybe yeah. that's what he's talking about more of, like, I'm trying to make big fights. Because, look, he's opened up. He fights at 126. He's opened up. He'll go up to 130, 135. There was even talk for a period about maybe, like, leaping up to welterweight. Like, he's willing to do sort of what we look at as, like, aggressive, daring kind of crazy movement at least verbally he's saying it so i don't know luke either way uh this is a fun style matchup and probably still a style matchup as long as gary russell jr is is of the ilk that he's been showing despite the inactivity which is dynamically fast hands very smart boxer this training camp was harder than normal luke with his dad uh who's also his trainer having his foot amputated so he wasn't you know a, a, he wasn't part of the camp really at all in fact gary trained himself for this one and, uh, you know, there's been some other personal turmoil there along the way for Gary and his family. If he's still Gary Russell, though, Luke, I think this is the type of fighter, Mark Magseo, despite being, you know, potentially dynamic, that he can disarm. Like, this is the type of guy that he owns. Dude, I got to say, like, here's the part about the, that's frustrating about Gary. And, and by the way, like, here's the thing what I think has happened, BC. I think getting bigger fights has been challenging for Gary Russell. And so he's just punted like, okay, I'm going to try a little bit. I've tried on these particular occasions, unless it comes to me easily, I'm not going to chase it down. What he's also not doing BC is he's not hammering the boards to do media. He doesn't pull any stunts to get big fights. He doesn't even stay busy against guys he's outmatched against and then use those as opportunities to like fish for bigger fights. He just sits around and does this. But at the same time, he's been fighting number one contenders. Dude, he's not been fighting bullshit fighters. He fought Joseph Diaz, by the way, and it was one fight in 2018. Then he fought Kiko Martinez, who just had the win of his fucking life recently. So that fight has aged well in 2019 and then he beat king tug in his last one in february 2020 dude yeah. these are good wins these are solid fighters he's beating absolutely he gary russell jr he's 33 which for featherweight getting a little bit up there i, I think you would agree bc but dude he's fucking slick he is a good boxer he's boxing's longest reigning champion in part because of inactivity in part because he's very 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 talented and the reason why sharp, even fast movement fast hands good iq i like gary russell jr 
Yeah, sorry to interrupt you. The, the reason why I was even questioning is because he is so smart and so level-headed that, like, I'm like, is this a work? You know, his whole stance on, on everyone avoiding him. And that's because I do respect so much of, like, he believes everything he says, Luke. Like, he's absolutely the real deal, and he's old school. But, you know, we also, we need to see it. We need to see it in the ring. So I hope that this is the beginning of, of a busy run. He says he wants to fight three times this calendar year. And uh, and he wants Leo Santa Cruz, which would be a very big fight, Luke. So I, I hope And I also have the- to say, like, just Gary Russell Jr., like, I would love to see more domestic boxing. Or when I say domestic, I mean, like, you know, Gary Russell in this market. And they've tried the Escandon, Diaz, and Martinez fight. Excuse me. The Diaz, Escandon, and uh, that's it. Those are the only two he's got at MGM National Harbor. That's in the area. That's here in Maryland, Oxon Hill. And he's not, he, I think he's from Prince George's County, which is the same part. They're trying to put fights in here, dude. He's got no footprint in this market whatsoever. He has yeah, but if you no showed effort. him your your DC tattoo, unlike Jared Swift Heard, would he like? Would he just nail it? I think he would nail it. I can't believe Jared Heard didn't know that, but I think he would get it. But you get the idea, like uh, you DMV you know, guys. I don't know if DMV is like a club or if there's like okay, they group us together, but like these hoes ain't loyal, Luke. You know? Well, I, I mean, people call it the DMV. I don't really rep Maryland or Virginia, like. People from Virginia and Maryland might claim D.C. I don't claim Maryland and Virginia. I claim D.C., so I don't really worry about those two states. But I'm just pointing out, like, in this area, dude, he has no presence. What's, I mean, dude, why is Gary Russell Jr. the longest reigning champion in boxing, and he's fighting in fucking New Jersey? Yeah. You know what um, I mean? Like, why is well, he should it, be fighting here? I mean, they, I, 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 want, I, I would have to think, though, Jersey's close enough, Luke, where it's still looked at as, as a home game type opportunity for him. But I, I get your point, and he's got to step up. I'm just it up. saying, if he he's was saying, a big he's saying draw, he wants if he was to, a big draw, like if he was a big draw, they could pull a thing here, and there's nothing competing for his attention really in a major way this weekend. Then the thing that it makes it. it hard at the end of the day, like you can criticize, I've criticized him for this, the inactivity, and kind of just doing what he wants is, uh, not only does he back it up in the ring, but like he's willing to go for it, Luke. Like you know, there's there's fights where he's had to bite down and, and fight, and he's willing to go after that, and he's always trying to fight people bigger than him. And, you know, he wants that Lomachenko rematch, which is his only pro loss, so badly. And, Luke, even though that was a majority decision, it was a lot more one-sided than the decision made it seemed. And uh, he took a beating in that fight. Yet he, you know, he bit down and took it. I'd I'd love, love for him to end up getting a Lomachenko rematch. But the path to do that is to to stay busy. So let's hope this is the beginning. Minus 400, Russell's the favorite. Uh, Luke, if he gets a stoppage here, that, that's a big statement. But what was interesting is that Russell said ahead of this, I don't know, I might get a stoppage and then people, nobody wants to fight me. So he he's not even sure, Luke, whether it's, you know, just win and look good or look spectacular, what, which one will uh, will be his friend moving forward matchmaking-wise. I have a feeling if he gets a big win, his problem won't be that no one wants to fight him. Like, let's relax on that, please. Wow, all right. Luke Thomas here. Uh, there we go. Check that out. Saturday night, showtime. Uh, should be fun. A triple header right there. Shout out to Moro. Brian Custer and the team Al, all the all the all the friends there, Luke, the classy ones. Abner, Abner, uh, you know, great great guys, love them. Uh, Luke, it's time to be close with uh, with a segment in which we're willing to put our balls on the line for for truth, for justice, for freedom. No, not high court. That's another segment that we do. Uh, this is uh, where you email us at Morning Combat. Sorry, the email address is morningcombat at gmail.com to send in, of course, your fan subs on Wednesday. But Friday, if you think we said something wrong. Step up to the plate, but you better bring a receipt and you better come. Come on, right? Let's do it. It's called Dead Wrong. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh-huh.
Look, I hope they send you to hell. I never read them in advance. Never do. I only see how many there are. So uh, I'm sure. I'm sure that I will get my fair share of fuck offs. So let's hear it. Yeah. This look. We'll take the L if it's true. Uh, this one comes from Ethan in Sydney, Australia. Hey, Luke and Brian, I'd like to dead wrong the BBC with the BDE during the segment on Almost Famous. He called Francis McDormand Francis McDermott. Petty, Ooh. I know, but dead wrong all the same. Love the show. I'm looking forward to what you guys have in store in 2022. Big love. Hey, Luke, I'll, that that was a slick move right there from Ethan. Well done. I'll take that. Take, take, take that, that L. L. Take that L, bro. All right. You know, he came. He came. Come original. He brought it, Luke, okay? Uh, this one comes in from Michael and Greg. I'm not sure which guy wrote it. I mean, are you, you know, are you? All right. Uh, also, if your name is Michael Greg, you have the worst name on earth. I just want you to know that. Yeah, never trust a man with two first names, right, Luke? Is that the is that the ruling on that? Hey, fuck off. Know. Hey, fuck off. How about that? During the January 10th show in studio, BC's dumbass was dead wrong as usual. <laughs> right after he huffed gasoline, he said that the Derek Lewis tie to Ivasa fight at UFC 271 is a five-round fight. That, that's the one that just recently scheduled. He clearly forgot that Adesanya Whitaker 2 was the main event and not Lewis to Ivasa. If mm. I had a dollar for every time BC was wrong, I'd be Dana White, unwilling to give my fighters a raise. <laughs> Love you guys. <laughs> Keep up the mediocre work. Wow. Wow, Luke. Dude, he killed you and he killed me. <laughs> I didn't even do anything. You know what, Luke? Like, I don't fully agree with his methods, but you do have to give respect. I mean, he, he, just, he just kicked... He just kicked our ass. <laughs> All if right? you have a great correction, you can kick it down our throats. We have to just take it. That's yeah. what the segment's yeah. about. Yeah, that's, that's, that's very true, Luke. All right, this one's from Jared. Greeting donks on episode 250 at the 1642 mark of MK Ultra. Luke is pondering the UFC's division decision to give a featherweight title shot to TKZ as a reward to a guy who hasn't gotten a title shit, shot yet or get a different name. I don't know if this is Oh, he fought name. Aldo. Luke should have pondered a bit more because he's dead wrong. Korean Zombie fought Aldo for the strap at UFC 163 in Brazil. It's okay, yeah. Luke, if I had to listen to the drivel that pours from Brian's mouth all day, nearly every day, I would accrue brain damage. <laughs> wow. I like how I caught the L, but then you caught the, you caught the strays. I mean, the point of this segment is that we're supposed to take it. You know, we're supposed to. It's like at the amusement park where you do the old time like jail photo with your hands. So you're like, all right, go ahead, you know. <laughs> that, yeah. Wow. All right, Luke, here we go. This is um, Arthur from San Diego, a Kurdish guy from Luke's very own Armenia, by the way. Luke, oh, okay. okay. All right, Arthur. Uh, greetings, MK. Dead wrong from BC during episode 250 at the 36th minute when Brian was referring to Tai Tuivasa having a shoey after making his way down the aisle after the last win and that someone put Tabasco sauce in the shoe. Unfortunately, he's dead wrong. In reality, this was right after his win against Greg Hardy, during UFC 264 when a fan handed Ty a boot full of concoctions, but it was actually Dustin Poirier's Louisiana you know, Dude, wait, sauce. what am I, hold on, I gotta fix, I gotta dead wrong myself. What the fuck am I talking about? This fight is in California, the main event, not Texas, so the rules aren't in play at all. I'm talking about Adesanya and Whitaker too. Oh yeah, Houston, you're dead correct? wrong, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dead. dead wrong like a motherfucker. So yes, yes, totally wrong. Totally, totally, totally wrong. Should have worked out your takes myself. on Twitter ahead of time, like you normally do, Luke. You know? Yeah, that's, <laughs> like, right. Get, that's right. Yeah, you gotta proofread those things. Uh, tough crowd. Jeez. All right. Uh, so Luke, uh, in reality, it was Poirier's hot sauce that was poured into the boot. Great episode, nonetheless, and love the new studio, Arthur from San Diego. So Arthur, 
you are right that what you're referencing did happen, but I was referencing being in the arena for Tuivasa's last win that I saw up on the monitor as he was exiting, the same thing happened. So I wasn't sure if that was just him getting beer in his eye or, or shampoo like myself, Luke. Um, but it looked to be another one of those situations. But I do understand and agree, Arthur, it had happened before. I didn't reference it. I'm kind of partially dead wrong. But you know what, Arthur? Fuck off, bro. Right? <laughs> 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 You know what I mean? Like, you know, who, like, what gives me. you the right at the end of the day, right? You know? All right. Uh, Luke, here we go. On Wednesday's episode, Luke mentions that UFC 272 was, quote, currently scheduled for Brooklyn, but it may be moving to Jacksonville. 272 is actually scheduled for Vegas. It is UFC 273 that is in that Brooklyn-Jacksonville discussion. Check yourself before you wreck yourself, donks. That's Ben and Tanner. I don't know which one wrote it. I don't know if he's, like... All right. yeah. I will take you, that L. I will take that L. What are your names? Neil and Bob? Yeah, that's that awful Andrew Dice Clay joke, Luke. Yeah. Is that, yeah. All right. Or is that just what you do? Yeah. Can we I move would... through this? Because the crowd, ha- the, the production team has to switch over. Oh, yeah. Let's get out of the show right now. Uh, Luke and BC at 24 minutes of Wednesday show, BC states that Chuck and Vanderlei was a big non-title fight for a pay-per-view main event. That is dead wrong. They were the co-main oh, to GSP yeah. versus Hughes and... Or easy mistake, just like that tiny hat you wore, probably to cover up the black ink you used to dye your hair. Kidding, of course. Love the new studio. Uh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah, this, this happened. All right, Ben says, hey, Luke and BC, I have a dead wrong. Episode 251 at 129, BC is explaining the fight between Darth Vader and Obi-Wan, where Kenobi says, strike me down, and I will become more powerful than you can imagine. But BC says this happened in episode three. I meant the third movie. You're right. You're right. Whereas this actually happened in episode four. Oh, crap. Then I'm dead wrong twice there, Luke. Uh, thank you all for all the content. Love the show, you guys. And I love the new set. Yeah, he. Yeah, I'm dead wrong, Luke. I'm, I'm wrong as shit. That's that's the new a new hope that happened. Episode four. I'm sorry. All right. Go fuck yourself. Uh, yeah, Fight Walla is here. He says, hello, Donks. Greeting from the city of Chennai. It's in Luke's true home country of India. Big fan of Luke for many years and more recently BC, but at around, at around a minute and 12 of episode 251, while making fun of the capital stormers from Ireland by way of Canada, BC asked Luke what the capital of Canada was. Luke, as did I, thought that BC wanted to know what the capital city of Canada was. I'm sure the... G, the it's, key, it's Ottawa, right? I'm sure the question uh, didn't come as a surprise to everyone. I keep, I, keep, I keep fucking it up. Since BC is not known for his worldly knowledge. That's However, what, what did surprise me was Luke's answer, Ontario. I, I know, but I corrected it like a second later on the tape. Go back and Ontario's not it. a city. It's a province, yes. Luke. Um, I know. He goes I know. on to give us... I correct. See, fuck this guy. He is right that I got it wrong initially. 30 seconds later, I corrected it on the tape. All right, he went on to give just mansplain the shit out of the reasoning behind that. But then he says... Hope to meet you guys once the pandemic is over and I can fly stateside to watch a card, win that damn award so we can meet over International Fight Week from Fight Walla. Luke, I, do you want to meet Fight Walla in person? I mean, would you accept food that he that he that he made, Luke? You can travel now. Just get the vaccine, fuckface. All right, Luke. There's the more the, the more we get distance from the Lanyager situation, there there probably was. Uh, there's probably was. You know. <laughs> Dude, I mean, he probably uh, smuggled those across the border in his colon, and I just ate them, you know? Yeah. All right, Connor says, what's up, Donks? Just wanted to bring this one to your attention since BC's liver clearly isn't the only thing failing him. At 125 of episode 251, BC states, you know that part in episode 3 
When it, isn't that the This is another one with the same thing. Yeah, all right. Dude, can we he, move he, through these? He's also trying to rip me on the higher ground comment of, uh, yeah, whatever. Okay, moving on. There's too many of them to keep going, Luke. We're going to have to save those for next week, okay? Let's end the all show right. now. It's been great, guys, but they need, you know, we got to go. Luke's got his shit. He's got a couple other jobs. We got to get out of here. Listen, um, I got to go. I got to go do my other jobs. You understand? For Showtime, Malka, CBS Sports. For Luke Thomas, my name is Brian Campbell. Uh, there's our social handles below, but Luke, they should they should be there Saturday night for a post-fight show, correct? That's right. As soon as the main event is over, be right back here at youtube.com slash morningcombat, a live UFC 270 post-fight show hosted by yours truly, hopefully not on Delta 8 gummies. Don't miss Russell versus Magsayo, Showtime Championship Boxing, Saturday night's triple header. Uh, Showtime.com, try it now, 30 days for free. You can watch that boxing that we're talking about. BC's coming back to Showbox in February. You can watch that shit too, so don't miss that. Uh, buy our merch at morningcombat.store, and we're out of here. We love you all. Be safe. Enjoy the weekend. Keep this thing. Keep it. Keep it. We need this, okay? All right? We out.